Blog Talk Radio. Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standardbreds. And uh, Mike, how are we doing this evening, bud? I couldn't be doing any better, Mike. How's your, how are you doing? Not too bad. It's been a great week. And uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, we've got a lot of stuff coming up on the show. Uh, let's, uh, if you if you don't mind, let's go through the list of uh, who we have coming on. It's a great star-studded uh, show for us this week. Yeah, we certainly do. We've got Steve Wolf. He's going to be joining us in a few minutes, Director of uh, Operations uh, for North America and Europe as far as Harness Link is concerned. He's also got a little bit of a new venture we're going to be talking about, 20 Wins a Million. We'll talk more about that with Steve in just a couple of moments. Stable Spotlight featuring James Clouser, a New York horseman. We'll talk to him uh, about his stable and uh, his going-ons behind the scenes. We've got uh, Harness Racing America's very own Brandon Valvo. He'll be joining us as well, and we'll also be hearing once again from the Stable.ca's Anthony McDonald. So we have a great show coming up for you today, Mike. You're certainly not going to want to miss it. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Steve Wolf's going to have some great information for us. Uh, He's coming in off of this racing symposium that was uh, just held in Arizona. So Steve Wolf will have a lot of great information. Also, I'll tell you what. Steve Wolf and I uh, and Mike are going to dive into the – End of year honors, of course, Wiggle It, Jiggle It was announced today as the horse of the year. And uh, Mike, I'll tell you, no real surprise there at all that uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It was named the horse of the year. No, certainly not. And uh, we'll talk about all the Dan Panch Award winners uh, with uh, Steve. And also, Mike, we uh, don't want to forget about our year-end awards. Now we have some notions up for us. A tremendous, tremendous race call of the year. Award. Now, once again, these are own personal awards. Fan of the year, that would be a first. Small stable of the year, the upset of the year, and the horsewoman of the year. Those are our six categories. Nominations are closing Saturday at 11.59 p.m. How do you nominate? Well, it's very simple. All you have to do is email us 
Post time with Mike and Mike at yahoo.com. Actually, no, I take that back. It's PT Mike and Mike. PT Mike and Mike at yahoo.com. Email us those nominations before Saturday at 11. 59 p.m. Eastern, and we've gotten some nominations, some tremendous nominations already, so uh, keep them coming, and also make sure you give a little bit of a description as to why you're actually nominating. But, Mike, before we get into Steve and our first time out, there are some programming notes that I want to remind everybody of. We'll be on live next Wednesday at 7, of course, next Thursday. It's Christmas Eve, so we'll be on next Wednesday at 7. We've already got a great show shaping up for you. Uh, one of the voices of the Meadowlands, we had Sam McKee on last week. Ken Warkington is going to join us this week. Uh, so we'll be talking to Ken as well as giving our nomin- or the uh, official nominations uh, for the uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards. And then, of course, Thursday, December 31st, Mike, that's our big bash. Why don't you tell, us, tell them a little bit about that? Uh, before we dive into that, Mike, uh, apparently we were having some technical issues. For those of you who are just now able to get onto the show, uh, Steve Wolf uh, informed me that the link was, for whatever reason, was not working. You were going in and out there for a couple minutes. So uh, for those of you just joining us, uh, welcome to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Yeah, our big bash is uh, Thursday, December the 31st. We'll start uh, with the first post of 6 o'clock. We're going to have tons of interviews. But, Mike, I'll tell you what, we're also going to give away our awards. we got some great prizes to give away to some of our listeners. And uh, you can find out more information on that via our social media, whether it be Facebook or Twitter. You can find us on Facebook at Post Time with Mike and Mike and on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. Yep, you can follow us on social media, but don't forget to get those nominations in. PT Mike and Mike at Yahoo.com. Once again, you'll have till Saturday at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. Now, if one comes in at midnight, well, we'll consider it. We'll, we'll think about it. Maybe the <laughs> technology slowed us as it has slowed us here tonight. But uh, nonetheless, that's our big award show uh, coming up, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to it, Mike. But what we're going to do now is uh, we'll take our first time out when we come back. Steve Wolf. We'll be joining us. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in a moment. Give your horse the winning touch with MagnaWave, pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. It relieves pain, improves movement, stimulates acupuncture points, reduces inflammation. Get immediate results. Call the Essential Touch LLC Certified MagnaWave Practitioner, 302-922-0917. Get the winning touch. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1.
We're back on this rainy Thursday night. At least it's rainy in the Philadelphia area. Not quite sure what it's doing uh, up in Buffalo, New York. But it's certainly rainy in the Philadelphia area. But I am certainly not going to pl- uh, complain about the weather here on the East Coast. Now, we're joined by Steve Wolf. Steve, listen, I don't want to go through all your titles and all nah. your accomplishments because they are numerous. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Thanks, Mike. And, Mike, it's, it's an honor to be on. Now, before we get into some of the, the the pit stops that Steve Wolf has made throughout your career, let us talk a little bit about twenty wins a million. Let's let's get the cheap plugs out of the way. What's this all about, my friend? <laughs> this is a new online game that my partner Joel Benson and I have come up with. We've worked about six months on it. It's sort of tailored after MLB Major League Baseball's Beat the Streak. But 20 Wins a Million is an online game. It's free to play, and we are trying to market this to racetracks to try and go after the millennial market, to get new players, new fans with a fun, free game where they actually have a chance to win a million dollars cash. And the best part is it's free to play. Well, I don't know. I don't know too many people that could use a million dollars in cash, Steve. I don't know. <laughs> in all seriousness, we'll talk more about twins. We'll talk more about Steve. We'll talk more about twenty men, uh, twenty wins a million, uh, because we're going to touch on the symposium of uh, of gaming and racing in Arizona that took place. You were a big part of that. But I do want to get into your early, the early part of Steve Wolf's career. Now you've been just about everywhere. You've done almost everything in the, in the business. You're uh, a member of the Florida Harness Racing Hall of Fame. Talk about some of the early. Talk about some of the pit stops that Steve Wolf has made throughout his uh, throughout your early career. Uh, well, I have to owe it all to my father because he always liked harness racing more than thoroughbreds. And as a child, he used to. Um, we had a pony cart, and my brother and I used to go out and uh, jog with the pony. And, and I've had horses. I was born and raised on a dairy farm until I would, you know, till after college where we switched to standard breads. But it was my father that got me in the sport. I groomed for two years in uh, in South Jersey. We had a stable, my father, mother, and I. I guess over 30 years, we, we bred, raised, and raced close to 300 horses. We've had quite a few sire stake winners in uh, New Jersey and New York. We've even had a couple stallions uh, that we stood for some time. Kawatha Mani was probably the best stallion that uh, we had. Uh, we did, you know, a lot of good with him. And But the main thing was that uh, I was working in the newspaper business. I wanted to be a journalist. I actually had uh, worked for seven months for the New York Star-Ledger, but I became disenchanted. There were people like Ray Brienza and Dick Carmody and Carol Hodes, and they hogged all the writing and, and uh, handicapping for the paper, and I realized I wasn't going to be able to do something there. And my father convinced me to learn about harness racing from the grassroots. And I became a groom for a couple of years. Then, uh, I don't want to date myself, but in 1979, I I actually walked into Liberty Bell Park and asked for a job. And the guy sent me to the backstretch and said, get me a couple stories, and if they're good enough, I'll hire you. And lo and behold, being a groom paid off because there was Eddie Davis saying, what are you doing here in the backstretch, boy? And I told him, and he says, well, I'll give you a story. And I wrote it up, and the uh, publicity director, Dave Terrell, uh, liked it and hired me. And in fact, that night when I came to the press box, uh, 
he offered me uh, a full-time job, and things were going great from there. And I worked at Liberty Bell and Brandywine for a number of years. In fact, at one point, I groomed horses in the winter, broke yearlings for my father, and then uh, worked at Brandywine Raceway, and then got hired by the SBOA of New Jersey, where you know I got to meet some great people like Hall of Famers John Barry and Leon Zimmerman, and you know, be part of the, the New Jersey scene. I mean, at that time, New Jersey was the uh, one of the world capitals of harness racing. And from there, I went for 15 years at Freehold Raceway and then uh, for 10 years at Pompano Park. And I've had a great, great journey for all those years. And now, of course, there's 20 wins a million and uh, my work with Harness Link. And, yeah, I'm addicted to harness racing, and I love it. I guess I'm a purist in the sport, and uh, uh, I just just love to see the promotions and stuff I've done over the years that, that work so well. Uh, I, I have to think back on them. Uh, uh, the driver challenges that I used to do at Freehold were amazing. You know, in the dead of winter, I'd bring in the leading drivers from the top tracks in North America on President's Day in February, and... I'd take a regular so-called winter Monday holiday and turn it into a million-dollar handle day by bringing in uh, the Dave Pallones and Wally Hennessy's and Tony Morgan's and Dave McGee's and, and people from all over and, and have you know a major day, uh, driving competition. In fact, to this day, uh, if you talk to Dave Miller, he'll tell you how um, Dave Pallone and Dave Hawk and I had to literally beat him and drag him to come out of Ohio to come and do this challenge. He won five of the eight races on the card, and within three months, enough people were impressed with him after that driving championship that they convinced him to come and drive at the Meadowlands. Well, you know, Steve, I'll never forget the first time I met you. I, I went down to Florida. You were at Pompano at the time. I went down to Florida with a guy by the name of Denny Walton. He's one of my dear friends. He was the assistant racing secretary at Hazel mm-hmm. Park for a number of years. And uh, I'll never forget the first person we uh, we saw was you. And you had this uh, big, beautiful office down there. And it was so full of memorabilia and some of your marketing accomplishments and, and you know, some of the marketing that you've done throughout the years. Uh, but let's fast forward, Steve. You know, the symposium of gaming and racing. They did something pretty unique. They had 45 ideas in 45 minutes, and uh, you were part of the group that was actually a finalist in the Innovators Contest. Talk a little bit about that, Steve. That You know, it, it's funny because I have it right in front of me, the, the, the whole panel on 45 ideas in 45 minutes. I thought it was one of the greatest things that they did, and they had uh, a lot of good people. They had uh, Steve uh, Bisk from uh, Series XM, Dave Kaplan from Trot Magazine, Steve Koch from uh, the NTRA, uh, Peter Rotondo, the Vice President in Media for the Breeders' Cup, and Amy Zimmerman, the Vice President, Director of Broadcasting from the Stronic Group. And they challenged them to come up with an, one minute to have come up with an, an idea, whether it was an old one to revamp or something new to try and help this industry. And uh, it, it was great. They, they they talked about most, you know, everything. And it, but it was fast. It was like one minute, boom, and another one, boom, and another one, boom. And thank goodness they had written them all down and had handouts to give. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good uh, uh, ideas that they had, and uh, uh, I can't even go over them. I, I look at it and I'm like looking at 36, you know, taking the show on the road to kids and stuff. A, a lot about getting young people 
you know, involved in, in an early age in teaching about the sport. And uh, But it was a whole, uh, literally, it was 45 ideas in 45 minutes, and I hope they're going to make this public to everyone to take a good look at it. You know, you talked about some of those ideas, and uh, obviously you were a finalist in the, innova- in the uh, innovator category uh, when we were talking about some of these ideas. Uh, what exactly did you guys bring to the table? I know you, you brought the 20 wins a million to the table, but talk a, talk a little bit about how that presentation went and how the, the judging process was in the sort. Well, they had, they had three judges. They had the CEO of the Daily Racing Forum, they had uh, the CEO and owner of BAM.com and Bet America, and they had and Mike Tanner, the executive vice president of the USDA. They were the three judges, and they ran it sort of like a Shark Tank. There were actually four finalists there, and we each had ten minutes to do slide presentation or speak about our idea. Um, I did find out that there were over 80 submissions from five continents for the first time for the contest, which was great. And to be one of the four finalists was, you know, amazing. But uh, it wasn't easy. I mean, uh, these guys fired questions left and right. And and fortunately, you know, uh, we we had answers for them. Our 20 for a million, you know, essentially is, is people sign up you know, at your favorite racetrack, let's say if Gulfstream has it or the Meadowlands has it or Hoosier Park has their version of 24 million, and each race day you pick a horse. You have We pick a race, and you have to try and pick the winner. But to make it easy, because this game is not for the people in the business. This is to attract new people. We introduced the 4-3-1 system. In other words, the first time you pick a race, if your horse finishes in the top four, you advance to the second round because we need to tease new people. We need to make it easy and encourage them to start looking at the program, uh, look at the handicapper picks. And the big thing is once they get to their third straight win, they get a prize. And it's probably like a $15 uh, free bet on the ADW of the racetrack. And that way they get their bet in and they say, wow, I got this prize. Well, I'm going to keep going. And if they get four in a row, then five in a row, they get another prize. And that could be uh, dinner for two at the track. It could be a nice hat and T-shirt, something like that. You reward people with prizes, and eventually they're going to get confidence to come out to the track. And all our prizes you need to pick up from the racetrack, and you keep rewarding these new people, and we can make fans out of them. Now, Steve, where did you guys come up with this idea? This is one heck of an idea. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tell you, I joined about a week ago. And I, I love the idea. Where where on earth did you guys come up with this? Was just this kind of you guys talking and bouncing ideas, or? Well, it, it, exactly. Uh, Joel Benson and I. Uh, I worked for Joel. I mean, he's a, a major event promoter. His clients include Blue Cross Blue Shield, L'Oreal, um, Revlon. Uh, he he had uh, he promoted the first uh, Mini Cooper that came out and put one in the stands at the Superdome for a Monday night football game. And he's got great ideas. But what happened was we were at, at the, the South Florida Trotting Center, um, and we were talking and watching horses train and stuff. Uh, yeah, Joel Benson's also the owner of the JL Benson Stable. He's got 14, 15 horses that race, you know, at different tracks throughout North America. So, I mean, he's been in the business almost 10 years now, so he's got a good familiarity of it, but he's got a promotional and marketing mind. 
and he plays this game, MLB, uh, MajorLeagueBaseball.com, beat the streak, where you, you pick up to two batters a day in any major league game, and if they get a hit, that's how your streak continues. You try and beat Joe DiMaggio's streak of 56. The prize is $5.6 million. But wow. he challenged me, Joel did, and said, can we do this for horse racing? I mean, what a great way to try and get young people. MLB.com has 2.5 million people that play that game. They give prizes too, not as nice as what we have planned, but it's been out there for 14 years. Nobody's hit it, but they keep getting millions of people to play it. On any average day, there's 30 to 40,000 people playing this game. And they do it the whole season long, and then it goes away. Now it's coming back again, and I'm going to play it. I mean, it's fun. It's easy to do. They send little reminders to you. And so we talked about it, and every week we started talking more and more, bantering back and forth. The next thing you know, we brought in a computer uh, programmer, and we showed him what we wanted to do, and he started writing up the program and designing things. And it got more and more intense, and now we, we've got a very, very viable product, we feel, that can not only help the industry, but you can have some fun with it, too. I mean, we, we met people people from Puerto Rico, from Uruguay, from uh, thoroughbred harness and dog tracks that are all interested, and, you know, that's why we're, we're going forward with it, and uh, hopefully we're going to debut by uh, March or April. All right, yeah, and you talk, it's funny, Steve, because if you look at all these jackpot wages, uh, not only in thoroughbred but in harness, they're they're really taking off. So I think it's the allure for people to win big money uh, that's uh, that's bringing people, uh, you know, that's interesting people that may not otherwise play racing. But, uh, Steve, I'll tell you what we're going to do. Can we put you on hold for just a moment? We've got to take a timeout. We're a little late for a Absolutely. timeout. But we do want to talk to you about some of the Dan Patch Awards that came out, and uh, we'll talk to you a little bit more, maybe about 20 wins a million. So hold on one second, Steve. We're going to go to timeout. Okay. okay. All right, Steve. Wolf, when we come back, we'll have more with Steve. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich, and uh, we're joined again by Steve Wolf. And uh, Steve had some really good information earlier about the symposium, but Steve, we're going to go over the uh, Dan Patch Awards now, uh, the voting that took place. And of course, we all, I, I pretty much knew, Horse of the Year was going to be Wiggle It, Jiggle It, but looking over the totals, were there any horses that kind of surprised you that didn't get as many votes or uh, that maybe got more votes than you thought they would? Well, the, the only one, and, and, you know, when you do picks, you have to do, I, I always feel you, you can't vote from your heart. You have to vote from the statistics that are in front of you. And I was right. surprised. I thought that the two-year-old pacing cult division was going to be neck and neck to the wire. And 
I'm super pleased for Boston Red Rocks because I've known Peter Budd for many, many years. And his horse is very deserving and, and obviously got the votes. But I feel bad for control the moment because he had a sensational season. I think if he was up to it and had beaten uh, Red Rocks, uh, Boston Red Rocks and won the Breeders' Crown, he probably would be uh, the two-year-old pacing cold of the year. But it, it didn't happen, and he was done. He never left uh, Ontario. And, you know, the hot horse uh, uh, at the end of a season like that, you know, he, he did unbelievable. That's the division I thought was would have been a, a bit closer and, you know, tongue-in-cheek or neck-and-neck neck to the wire. But I, I think some of the other divisions were pretty in hand. You know, Steve, wiggle it, jiggle it got uh, 95.5% of the vote. Now, that's the most I was reading since Niatros got in 1980. Now, here we go again. Now, once again, we've had this age-old discussion, and we could never put you know any two horses on the racetrack at the same time. But uh, where does Wiggle and Jiggle it rank amongst the all-time greats? Well, we haven't seen enough yet. Um, what do you what do you guys know about uh, foiled again as a three year old? Not a lot. I mean, now he's a household name, and because he's an iron horse and he's raced all these years. Now, Wiggle Jigglet, you know, uh, God forbid, I want to see him come back and do even greater. But let me tell you something. Up until his little brown jug race, I was still convinced that the greatest race I ever saw was Life Signs two heats in the jug and wiggle it jiggle it took that out of my mind and anyone that follows harness racing and and looks at what this horse has done and how he's raced for 12 months but the performance he put on that day is amazing i mean this horse theoretically was beaten at the top of the stretch he was done you could everybody could see it and you felt bad because it wasn't going to happen and and the the sob came back and won it was uh, in Amazing. I mean, just amazing. So what is going to happen to him? The future's very, very bright. I think he's, uh, uh, who knows? I mean, uh, you have to realize horses like that, uh, depending on how they come back, can he be the next foiled again? I think so. I mean, obviously he showed racing 12 months. Now he's going to get some time off. And, and if you know something about foiled again, he didn't like time off. I mean, uh, he was sent down to uh, North Carolina and, and, and rested up, but not forever, and then they brought him back. And granted, he didn't have a great season this year. We'll see what happens with next season. But um, I, I see the same thing for Wiggle Jiggle. I, I see him going after uh, Foiled against record. But, you know, they're, they're, he's an amazing horse. He's, uh, you know, there's not, I don't know how many accolades you can say about him. Except, you know, we hope that uh, uh, George and, and uh, Montrell Teague, uh, you know, can have him back next year just as strong. Yeah, Steve, that was one of the things that jumped out to me as far as Wiggle It, Jiggle It goes. And I, you know, I know we talk about the two heats on Little Brown Jug Day in the Meadowland space and all the great performances that he gave sure. us in the year 2015. But what stood out in my mind, is the fact that he was able to hold his form all the way from January 
all the way to the end. And I think maybe April might have been the month where he, the only month where he didn't win a race, but um, I think he might have taken some time off in April. But you talk about an iron horse, my friend. That's what impresses me the most. And, and you know, Steve, you've seen enough horse racing, how these, and it doesn't matter. Top class horses, uh, you know, $4,000 claimers. They come in and out of form. They string together a couple of good efforts. Then, then they disappear for a month. Then they come back and then they disappear. The wiggle it, jiggle it brought it the whole darn year. What he reminds me of for the future, because he's, he's young. He's, I mean, granted, number one, he lightly races a two-year-old, so obviously he had time off. He didn't, uh, didn't pound his legs to oblivion, racing him and everything else, so he was a little fresher horse for his three-year-old season, but it was great. But what he, he looks to me like would be the second coming of Rambling Willie. Oh, don't even bring up the, my my. I, hold on a second, but Mike, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but but Steve brought up. I still have the glass. I still have the glass that they were giving away at Balmoral Park when Rambling Willie came back to Balmoral Park. One of my favorite horses, if not my favorite horse of all time. I, I oh, have you his just, book. Steve, you just brought up my with memories his, with his hoof print in it. The hoof print. Yep, the the famed hoof print. Oh my goodness, Bob Farrington. Oh my. I mean, one of the greatest pleasures of my life was going to the Christiana Mall near Brandywine Raceway two days before Rambling Willie raced, I believe at the time was in the Graduate Series, and he spent three hours at the mall doing, selling, they were selling books, the horse that God loved, but he was there doing autographs, whether it was for little kids on pieces of paper, and I actually got to sit there, pick up his foot, put it on the ink well, on the ink pad, and, and put it on a piece of paper, on the book, you know, it was just amazing. And, and he put up with this on his tour for years. He was amazing. And when you saw his legs, it made you cry. But he, every time he got on that racetrack, when he smelled that race paddock, he turned into a monster. The horse that God loved. I'll tell you what, that's certainly a horse that Mike Bozich loved, and I know a lot of people loved, and uh, brought back some uh, terrific, terrific memories. Well, listen, Steve, uh, for anybody that wants to follow you on social media – why don't you tell them how they can follow you on social media and, and uh, how we can visit. Uh, you got a website, too, 20 Wins a Million, right? They're, they're on the web, right? Exactly. That's what I want to do. I want to invite everyone to give uh, give us a try. I mean, it's, it's in demo form. You're not going to win any prizes, but I'm throwing up all sorts of different races. I'm putting thoroughbreds, dog races, harness races. I mix them up. Have a little fun. Go to 20 Wins a Million. That's the number 2 winsamillion.com, register, and have some fun playing. It's, it's, there's only one race a day that's put up there. usually have a couple days to handicap it. Some of the all the links aren't working yet, but most of the people in the industry don't need that. They're going to see the race program. That's what's most important. And, and, and have a little fun. You know, like this weekend, I know I'm putting up the two opens at the Meadowlands on Friday and Saturday, the trot and the pace. And uh, who knows, maybe with the holidays coming, I'll have a couple more dog races from West Palm Beach or Gulfstream Park or uh, Aqueduct. You know, uh, go out, give it a try, kick the tires, and you can reach me on Facebook under Steve Wolf on LinkedIn. And uh, uh, we also have a Facebook page for 20 Wins a Million. It's also um, at 20 Wins a Million for uh, Twitter. And, and let us know what you think about it because we're open to suggestions or anything else. 
All right, Steve, it was a great pleasure to have you on. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Okay, take care, guys. All right, Thanks, that Steve. was Steve Wolf uh, from Harness Link and the 20winsamillion.com. When we come back, we'll have our stable spotlight. James Clouser will be joining us. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Post Time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media, on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike, also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. It takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair, what's left of it. But when the race is on, it's on. The Dalos in between horses, Jettison gets to the lead, and Jettison will take the Niatros. Down to the finish, Mick Wicked by as much as he pleases. The Dalos with 100 yards to go, the Dalos and driver Drew Monty win the Niatros final. Draws away as they come down to the finish. Pinkman, a go-away winner. That's Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time, with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. Time for another edition of Stable Spotlight. Stable Spotlight goes behind the scenes with owners, trainers, and drivers focusing on their horses and their stories. This week's Stable Spotlight shines on New York's very own James Clouser Jr. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter and Mike Bozich joining you, and we're joined right now by Western New York trainer James Clouser, who's the stable spotlight this week. James, how are we doing, bud? Good, good. How are you guys tonight? Well, we're not too bad. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's been a fantastic season for you so far this year. Uh, in our opener, uh, we have the Fire Your Gun race from Buffalo Raceway. Of course, we're Fire Your Guns, pace the fastest mile ever. But tell us a little bit about the second place horse in that race, Cobble Beach, because Cobble Beach paced the second fastest uh, ever race at Buffalo Raceway. And, uh, tell us a little bit about Cobble Beach. Well, the first thing I'd like to tell you about Cobble Beach is when we went to the Batavia, we actually beat Fire Your Gun, so we did pull it off somewhere <laughs> along the way. But, there uh, you go. Cobble Beach, is uh, he was a special horse. He, he was kind of love at first sight. I was kind of... Uh, just happened to be in the paddock and in, in Woodbine in March of this year. And I seen him from across the paddock. And, uh, I told my buddy, Jimmy Graham, who I was there with, I said, I'm going to go over and buy that horse. I'll be right back. And uh, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and I brought him home. And he's been, uh, those seem like, you know, those, yeah, but I mean, those seem like to be the best purchases when you do just on the fly, you look and say, you know what? I'll be right back. I'm going to go purchase that one. James, Mike Bozich here. Tell us a little bit of how you got started in the business. 
Uh, well, I grew up in it. My dad's a horse trainer, and uh, so I started working summers when I was probably 10, 12 years old, sort of dogging about 13. So I've been doing it ever since. I went to college for a little bit after high school, but I knew that that wasn't going to work out for me because I had a couple of horses in the meantime. So I kind of stopped going to school and, and started going to the barn more, and I've been doing it ever since. So been full-time since 18, so I've been doing it forever. Now, James, you're coming off of a career season, uh, 472000 in the bank this year, uh, 442 UDRS. Uh, what do you contribute to the success you had in Western New York and all over uh, this year? You actually beat, uh, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think of the name of the horse now, uh, of Renee Allard's, which you will wish you had, a uh, Flamboro. Uh, Big Town Hero? Yeah, Big Town Hero. Uh, what do you contribute to that success? Uh, well, everything kind of came together at the the same time. Uh, it took me a while to really get rolling on my own, but when I hit Buffalo, uh, the, actually I went to Batavia first, and uh, when I landed there, it all kind of clicked. I I had the right horses, the right owners, the right the right team around me, the right vet, right blacksmith, and everything kind of clicked, and uh, we all got kind of got rolling at the right time. I, I would say, you know, getting a couple of good horses is what really makes it go. Because uh, in a couple couple month period, I bought a horse named Dirty Gertie, and then a couple uh, <laughs> months later, I got the You Wish You Had an American Bull, and having those three horses really started the whole stable. Kind of kind of started right there with those horses. Take us through a life, a, a day in the life of uh, trainer James Clauser. I know it starts early, earlier in the morning, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. My horses have to eat breakfast at six. Uh, I feed them breakfast, and I usually go and have breakfast myself and get back to the barn. I, I make sure they have an hour with of quiet with the lights off to eat their breakfast. So about 7, 7.30, we'll start working. Uh, I like to hit the track about 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I usually be on the track jogging till about 2, and uh, I'll get done jogging, and we'll hustle up and get everything done in the barn so the horses can eat lunch at 3. I'm really strict on my feeding time, so it has to be dead set every day, and then uh, – Usually I have a little more work to do, and then they have to eat dinner at nine o'clock. So it's it's an all day process. You know, we would never really stop from about six to nine. So it's a it's a pretty long day, and especially when we race, and sometimes we don't get done till ten, eleven, twelve o'clock. So it, uh, it's a lot involved in it. Now, James, uh, we're looking ahead towards 2016. Uh, what you know, what is coming up this season? Uh, anything new? I know you're going back to Buffalo, but uh, any horses maybe you have your eyes on or uh, anything new coming up this year? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to try to do things a little bit differently. Uh, I'm bringing in more, probably more horses this year. Last year when I went to Buffalo, I only had about about eight horses. This year I'm going to have probably 12 to 14. Um, I brought in a new owner this year, that uh, a guy named Bill Evans, Emmons, who I had uh, – two horses for at the end of Batavia and he just kind of sent me a couple out of the blue and those two horses turned out to be super. So I think we're going to kind of expand and have more for him. He just recently claimed two out of Philadelphia that I'm going to bring to Buffalo probably that uh, are very exciting. The one is a a three-year-old trotter that I have really high hopes for. He, uh, his name is Ralph R and we claimed him because he showed a ton of talent as a two and three-year-old and he is still a stud. So we're going to, yelled him and turn him out for a while and bring him back and that's one that I'm hoping won't only be a good buffalo horse but he might uh, take us further than that I might be able to race him some in, in the woodbine mohawk circuit so I'm going to try to 
build on that. You know, last year I, I raced a handful of starts in, in Woodbine and Mohawk and some starts in uh, in the Meadows. And this year I'm going to try to, uh, you know, race more good horses on bigger circuits and see if we could kind of move forward with better horses. Yeah, Ralph Farr, pretty nice horse. Bill Lemons won a lot of races here at Harris, Philadelphia, uh, James, here in the uh, 2015 meeting. And it's funny that you mentioned that horse because the photo finish guy, the guy to the booth next to me, I call him to the man to my, the man to my right, Ralph Vickers, uh, is, uh, of course, his first name is Ralph. So every time that horse uh, raced, you know, we used to, I used to give, kid him a little bit. But, James, what's the dream race to go after uh, as far as uh, you're concerned for a trainer? What would be the ultimate race that you'd like to win before your career is over? Well, I mean, everybody wants to win the Hamiltonian, and uh, that would be great. But I I have to say, if, if I had a, a specialty, a real focus, it's on pacing mares. I really, really love a good pacing mare. And for me, I would love to have a, a top-of-the-line mare that I can take and, and race in a breeder's crown, the, the age mare pace at the end of the year. And that's really my ultimate goal is trying to have good mares because I feel like they're the, the hardest to train. Uh, you know, geldings are a little bit easier to get along with, but a mare – you know, you could have a great mare in your barn that you don't get along with that might not turn into anything. And for me, I really focus on having good mares. And so I'd have to say the uh, age mare pace for and the Breeders' Crown, that'd probably be my dream race. Now, James, uh, real quick, uh, one more question for you. If you could pick any of your horses that you've ever had, uh, can you name a favorite and why it would be your favorite? Uh, to name one favorite would be tough. Um you know, I'd probably have to go back as far as, as a horse named Proud Moment, and I had him when I was probably probably 22 years old. I, I was a private trainer for a guy named Bob Crivelin, and he gave me a, a handful of trotters, and one of them was a three-year-old that the week I started training for him, the horse got beaten uh, playing Ridge in 2-4, and I took him and worked on him, and after a couple months, he was winning at the Meadowlands at 54, and that was a lot of fun. That was the first good horse I ever had. You know, when I first got him to train, he really wasn't much, but uh, there was a time in there where the owner turned down a hundred thousand for him. So he really turned into a great horse. And, you know, I had him as a three and four early four year old. And now it's funny because he's a kind of a well-known horse because he's been passed around to all the top trainers. And I think at this point he has over half a million made. He's actually in uh, Pompano right now with Chris Oaks racing in the open down there. And I think he's 11 years old now. And, uh, that was for me. That's one of my favorites because I, when I got him, he wasn't really anything, and now it's eight years later, he's still a great horse. So that was that was probably my favorite. He was right up my alley, the three-year-old trotter, and he was kind of a runaway, and he's still kind of a runaway. So it's that's fun for me. I like the ones that are hard to handle. But he's he's probably my James. Favorite. Well, James, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your night to uh, join us. I know you guys are enjoying a little bit of downtime uh, now that Batavia is closed and. Uh, we hope that you have a great 2016, and uh, again, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, that was James Clouser, one of the Western New York uh, trainers that trains up here. And uh, Mike, I'll tell you what, he's one of the, he's a very class act guy. I have a lot of fun uh, every time I go to his barn. He does things a very very strict way. I'll tell you, if you ever have the chance to go to his barn, uh, you need to do it. Brought up Proud Moment. Now, I remember Proud Moment. He was an old Michigan horse, actually owned and trained by Rory Moore, if I remember correctly. And uh, he was a beast at Hazel Park, I'm telling you. And uh, 
I think uh, James is right. I think he wanted over $100,000 for that horse, and uh, it was uh, certainly a great feat for uh, for James to get hold of him. But uh, certainly wish all the best to uh, James Clowns there on our Stable Spotlight segment here tonight. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, it won't be too long. We're going to have Brandon Valvo on as we talk international racing. We'll be right back with Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Friends of Maryland Standard Breads. Do you suffer from migraines, back pain? Do you have shoulder problems or sciatica? Treat yourself to a MagnaWave treatment. Call the Essential Touch at 302-922-0917. Like us on Facebook at the Essential Touch LLC and check out our website at the EssentialTouchLLC.com. We are certified in human treatments as well as equine. We're back on post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Bozich, Mike Carter. We're coming up uh, on to 745 on this rainy Thursday night in the Philadelphia area. And it's time to talk some international harness racing with our man, BV, Brandon Valvo. Brandon, welcome in. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, listen. The arguably most prestigious harness horse race took place uh, in, in the, just a couple of days ago, actually, in the Southern Hemisphere in Australia. Our guy, American guy, Timmy Tietrich, took uh, took part in it, the Tab Touch Inter-Dominion Grand Finals. What could you tell us about it? Uh, well, you know, it's such a big deal down there, and people get so excited for it. You know, it's so it's so cool to see how excited people get over it. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a, a really cool series to watch because it's not just one race. It's kind of a series of races over a few weeks, and there was some international flavor early on, too, with uh, Meadow Branch DJ, who was in it. Uh, he didn't do too well, unfortunately, but um, it, it was it was cool to see the international kind of flavor to it anyway. And uh, the winner of this race, Lenny the Shark, he's, he's a really good horse, a really good pacer, and he's so popular, too. You know, it's, it, it's one thing just to see a favorite win in the race, which he was the favorite, but uh, to see a horse who's just so popular with the crowd and kind of commands the attention that he does win, um, you know, that, that's a pretty special thing. Now, Brandon, would you compare him, as far as the fans go, to, like, maybe wiggle it, jiggle it at the Little Brown Jug where everybody was came to see him win? Um, you know, it's kind of hard for me to say since I wasn't there. Um, but, you, you know, I, I imagine it's probably a similar feeling. Um, you know, he, he was so good in the legs leading up to the final that I'm sure a lot of people were really pulling for him and uh, really paying very close attention to what he was going to do in the final. Now, Brandon, this race, this race went one mile in nine sixteenths and, you know, for your geometry buffs out there, 2,538 meters for everybody, uh, you know, that's uh, interested in distance. That's a long, long way. And here our guy, Timmy Dietrich's going out there. Uh, you know, he's used to the standard one-mile distance uh, here in North America. How do these guys, Brandon, how do you think these guys prepare? And, of course, the racing style is different, too. I mean, these guys are racing wide the whole way. How do you think these guys mentally prepare for the different distance and the, the different makeups of the of the particular racetracks they're going to? Well, you know, I think for us it's something that's very different. But for, for those drivers down there, um, I think it's something that they're used to. You know, they race um, kind of a mixed distance format all the time. So 
it's probably not too much different for them than a daily basis. Obviously, they have the pressure of racing in, you know, one of the world's biggest races, but um, I would think they, they probably kind of just try to put those things out of their head and just drive their race. Brandon, do you have no, any they, idea of how the different weather is down there? I know because here it's it's all over the place. I mean, it depends on the time of year. But, like, okay, say, for example, we're December here. We're starting to get colder. We're down to the 20s and the 30s. Is it warm down there, considerably warmer down there? I mean, I know it's in the southern hemisphere, so I'd imagine it is. But uh, what about the humidity even? Um, well, I'm not a meteorologist, but uh... – I, I think it is. No, wait a minute. Carter told me you now. were a meteorologist. Hold on a second. Carter told me you were a meteorologist. <laughs> Carter, we got dope. Oh, I think he's got that one wrong. <laughs> I have no idea what the humidity is like down there or anything like that. But uh, it is. I believe it is summer down there right now. Now, Brandon, let me ask you a question. Now, Tim Tietrick went, and obviously the the driving style is just so much different down there. Uh you know, and I've talked to Tim, uh, you know, a couple times before, but never about the international flavors. This, and maybe you know, is this? I see him going down there more and more. Is this something you think that he uh, he may do uh, as the future continues? I think it's something he'll probably do as long as he gets the opportunities. Um, you know, early last year he went down there for the World Driving Championship to represent the United States, and he did fairly well doing that. And uh, this time, there was. Um, another driving championship, not the world driving championship, but um, kind of another international driving championship that was staged down there in Australia. And he was lucky enough to go go back and participate in that. And um, I'm sure he'll keep going as long as they want him to come back. You know, it seems like they take really good care of the guys down there. and it seems like they all have a great time. So um, I'm sure as long as the opportunity is there, he'll keep going. Brandon, we got some of our guys headed down, I believe, next year. The press release came out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you've got Yannick Shingra headed down there. I think Brett Miller's headed down there. Corey, the captain, Corey Callahan's headed uh, down there for uh, a driver's championship. Uh, have you seen that, and can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with that, but that sounds like it'll be a great uh, great event. You know, it's kind of thing. it's kind of thing you wish you'd see more of here, more um, international participation um, because, you know, even though it might not be as popular here as it is in other places, I think a lot of other countries still kind of look to the United States as kind of the hardest race in capital. So, um, you know, because of our purses and fast our horses are. And so it would be nice to see those kind of things come here too. Now, Brandon, uh, we're going to kind of switch gears from the international flavor a little bit to the Dan Patch Awards. Uh, obviously, okay. Wiggly Jiglet was a uh, was the, you know, it's probably the one to nine favorite to win horse of the year, but there was one division where I was a little bit surprised that it was older horse or gelding trotter uh, with obviously jail Cruz versus resolve creatine. uh, You know, that one was kind of, he was kind of hit or miss all year long along with the Sonia dream Obrigado, And of course, Papagayo won the international trot. Were you surprised that jail Cruz took as many votes as he did? Um, you know, that was a tough division because there wasn't really a standout. Um, you know, you could make a case for J.L. Cruz. The one thing, I don't vote, I'll say that, but if I had been voting, <laughs> I would have been I would have been um, weary of voting for J.L. Cruz because most of his wins came against his own age group, four-year-olds. So, uh, yeah, I would have 
I would have been hesitant to vote for him, especially and especially considering that the second half of the year he really didn't do much, and most of the time he wasn't even racing, you know. Um, right. So, you know, it would have been would have been tough to do that, but you have to look at the alternatives and you know, resolve. He's a very very nice horse. Uh, I I liked him from the beginning of the year. I thought he was going to be big early on, and I was betting him early on. Unfortunately, when he was big prices, and then <laughs> later on he starts winning. Uh, once I was off his back, I guess I don't know, but um, you know he he would have been a legitimate case too. But it's you know it's interesting because they both kind of shined in their own halves of the year, and voters ended up kind of gravitating towards the earlier performances than the later performances, which I kind I find kind of strange. But um, right, I don't know that's the way they voted. All right. Well, Brandon, uh, we go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and you know, you mentioned creatine there too. I mean, it's interesting that it's a shame he didn't win like the international trot. I think because I think he probably would have been a much stronger candidate had he won that race. Um, because he he probably honestly was much better than anybody here in the U.S. Uh, this year. Right. If he had been here. And his his international performances, many of them were honestly very, very tough and very good. Um, you know, early on he kind of struggled, but once he was with Tactor, I mean, he was he was a monster. And he fell victim to some bad trips and things, but he he was very good. So, you know, he he would have been a worthy candidate too. And um, had he won the international trot, it would have been interesting to see how the voting went. Well, Brandon, before we let you go. Um... We would, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you for joining us. But uh, is there anything going on overseas that we need to know about? Any more big or any big races? I know a couple of weeks ago you said that their stake season is kind of just starting because it's an all year type of thing. Uh, what, what's coming up overseas that we need to look out for and uh, going forward? Well, um, this past weekend you had some uh, major pre-Damarique preps um, in Mexico. Harapri won the. Uh, Pre de Bourbonnais at FSN, and you had Bold Eagle take a big prep for the Criterium Continental, uh, which is a four year old restricted race coming up in a couple of weeks. And he's one of the world's best trotters, so we'll be looking forward to seeing him in the Criterium Continental uh, in a couple of weeks. And the winner of that race is guaranteed a spot in the Pre d'Amerique, so major, uh, major stakes implications coming up in the next couple of weeks for sure. Well, Brandon, we uh, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And uh, leading up to the pre-day, Marie, we're gonna have you on, and we'll uh, we'll definitely be discussing some of those prep races. That uh, I, I I'll tell you what, I cannot wait. I'm gonna have to start watching more of these international <laughs> international races because they're a lot of fun to watch. If you've never caught one, you you, you really need to watch some of the international uh, international flavors. So what as I call it. Well, Brandon, again, thank you for joining us here tonight and uh, taking time out of your busy night. All right. That was Brandon Valvo from Harness Racing America providing us with a little bit of international flavor. Uh, Mike is, I'll tell you what, he really brings a lot to the table and uh, it's a lot of fun when he comes in. Well, yeah, but he's not a meteorologist. Yeah. I tell you, man, I, I, you know, (laughs) I, I just, I don't get it. Well, listen. We're going to take a uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We, <laughs> we love you, buddy. We're, we love. Yeah, we're going to overtime. Yeah, we're going to overtime, and yeah, uh, I just wanted to, to mention overtime. that, Mike. But 
yeah, before before we go to break, Mike, I do want to mention that, uh, you know, if you're looking at the clock, like we usually do, Mike, when we're trying to follow our show log, uh, boy, we'd have been in trouble tonight. But uh, if you're <laughs> yeah, looking at uh, your clock and saying, oh, these guys got to be gone in four minutes, come on, no, 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 not so fast. Uh, we've uh, gotten some very uh, – We've gotten some permission to go over our 8 o'clock time slot so, uh, uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, so stay tuned. We're not done yet. We'll let you know when we're done. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, hey Mike, before we go to break, uh, you know what? Why don't we, when we come back from break before we, uh, before we talk with Anthony McDonald, uh, let's give away a prize, yeah. shall we? Uh, that's, you want to do that before we go to break? Let, let, let's go to break first, and when we come back, uh, we'll give away a prize, and then we'll talk with Anthony McDonald. All right, so we certainly don't want you to tune away now because you might miss your opportunity of winning a prize. So, all right, when we come back, we're going to give away a prize on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back. It takes them every ounce of energy to get out of bed. They struggle to the mirror and comb their hair what's left of it but when the race is on it's on the daylight in between horses Jettison gets to the lead and Jettison will take the Niatron go to the finish McWicked by as much as he pleases the Dalos with 100 yards to go the Dalos and driver Drew Monty win the Niatron's final Draws away as they come down to the finish. Pinkman, a go-away winner. Catch Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time, with Mike Bozich and Mike Carter, every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern on blogtalkradio.com. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined by Mike Bozich. And uh, just like we said before we uh, before we went to commercial break, we've got a prize we're going to give away. It's a Drew Monty bobblehead. And in, if you haven't done so already, go and like us on Facebook. Because I'll tell you, Mike, I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week. And I was like, you know what? The 200th person to like our page deserves a prize. Well, all of a sudden I look and we're at 235. I could not believe it. Yeah, we're getting a lot of likes. And once again, like us on Facebook, please. Uh, like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, PT Mike and Mike One. And uh, also, make sure you get your nominations in uh, PT Mike and Mike at Yahoo.com. We'll talk a little bit about uh, more about that after we talk to Anthony McDonald before we go off the air. And we're going overtime tonight, so don't look at your clocks and think you're all messed up. We are actually going overtime uh, here on uh, blogtalkradio.com. But without further ado, Let's give away the prize, Mike. How, how do you got this thing worked out? So what I've done is I've gone to – it's an actual website. I can't believe it. It's random.org. And, uh, I random tell number, it, random course, number generator. That's right. That's how I pick my horses. Go ahead. Yeah, that's right. And uh, what I do is I tell it, you know, the minimum number is obviously one, and the max is 235 because that's how many likes we have. And it spit out number 28, and number 28 on our list is Mr. Is it me? Allen. No, it's not. It's Mr. Alan Cisco. Alan Cisco. If you're listening to the show, uh, you can contact us via Facebook or by Twitter to collect your prize. We'll also put his name on our Facebook page to let him know that he's won a prize. But uh, Alan Cisco is one of Drew Monty bobblehead from Post Time with Mike and Mike. 
All right. Al, I know Alan. Alan's a good guy and uh, know him back from the Michigan days. And uh, we certainly appreciate him liking us and listening to us. And he's had a lot of success in this business. So hats off to Alan Cisco. And once again, we're going to do drawings like this. But you know what? We're not going to tell anybody, Mike. These are just some of the off-the-cuff things that we do here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. So once again, if you, if you uh, aren't on our Facebook page, like us on Facebook because social media is the way to go. We're in 2015. And... Uh, uh, follow us on Twitter, PT Mike and Mike One, and uh, for crying out loud, send your nominations. And we've got quite a few nominations, Mike, and some interesting nominations for our awards. And Mike, before we bring Anthony in, just let me go over these awards real quick. And I know we'll talk about them uh, before we go off the air, but I do want to uh, bring these up in case somebody's got something and they want to get it to us before they forget. Our six categories are Race Call of the Year, Iron Horse Award. Fan of the Year, Small Stable of the Year, The Upset of the Year, and Harness Woman of the Year. So those are our six categories. It'll be the first ever Post Time with Mike and Mike Awards show. Nominations close at 11.59 on Saturday. We're going to announce the nominations on our show next week, which is actually Wednesday at 7. And then we're going to have a... New Year's Eve Spectacular Award Show uh, on December 31st. That's a Thursday from 6 to 8. So that's your programming itinerary for the next couple of weeks. But get those nominations in. And we certainly appreciate everybody uh, that has sent nominations in. And uh, if uh, your time is running out, so you better get those nominations in, Mike. All right, Mike. Well, coming up right now is Anthony McDonald, and we've been talking with Anthony about the stable.ca. And if you don't know what it is, you better listen in because I'll tell you, it's a great opportunity to get involved with horse ownership. Without further ado, here's Anthony McDonald's interview with us earlier today. We're here with Anthony McDonald of the stable.ca. Anthony, now that we've introduced the product over the last few weeks, let's talk about what we do once we decide to invest. What do we do next? So it's pretty, it's very simple. Uh, depending on where you're at, it's different degrees of simplicity. I mean, if you're in Canada, anywhere in Canada, you can simply email us the money and we'll send you out a receipt showing that you own whatever portion of the horse you uh, you wanted to purchase. You would then, uh, we would then enter your name onto the onto the stable registry for the horse. It's very very simple math. We we've had a trot in Philly. We sold a lot of pieces of just one and two percent the people that just wanted to be involved in the stable.ca, and one percent of her works out to be a hundred and thirteen dollars, which would make your total monthly bill for the Philly twenty two dollars and sixty cents, which is exactly sixty seven cents a day per per horse per one share of this horse. So. Um, getting us the money is easy. Getting you hooked up with, with the horse online is, is easy, and uh, owning the horse is easy. I mean, anybody's welcome to come out at any point, visit their horse or any other horse, come out to the track, watch them work out, watch them train. I mean, the, the doors at our at our stable at Baycare and Training Center in in Ontario are always wide open, and I, I tell that to people all the time. Last Saturday, we had about eight or nine people come out just to watch babies go, and whether they owned a piece or were looking to buy a piece. Uh, they all seemed to have a really good time, and they all had great feedback and said they'd love to come back next week also. Now, can I spread my investment around? In other words, 
if I'd like to maybe get 1% of one horse, 2% of this horse, 3% of this horse, 2% of another horse, can I do that? Absolutely. The beauty of this site is it allows you to do something that nobody really has been able to do in this industry for the most part, and that's budget. You know, if if I have a gentleman that bought a... 2% of one horse one week, and the next week he bought 3%. Two weeks later, he bought 4% of a different horse, and then 1% of another one. Then we got a new horse in, he bought 2% of that one. And I just happened to ask him, I said, hey, man, you know, if you don't want me asking, I said, why do, you, why do you buy them like that? I said, hey, it's great. You can buy as much as you want. He said, oh, every time I get my paycheck, I just figure I'm going to invest a couple of dollars in this table and horses I like. I can bring my friends and my family out to watch them race, and I know how much my bills are going to be every month. So if I can afford to own a piece moving forward, then that, then I do so. So, I mean, in that case, it's a gentleman, he knows, one, it's an investment for him because he's looking for somewhat of a return, even though he's he's only putting in a small amount of money. He's hoping for, for a small return. But at the same time, he's spreading, you know, small amounts of money that he might have spent at the bar out, on uh, out buying pieces of horses that he can bring his friends and his family out to watch next year. So it really gives people the ability up front right away to budget and say, how much of any horse can I buy? How much of the bill is going to be? And you're comfortable when you hang up the phone or you're, you're done writing your email that when when that's all said and done, that's that's you know exactly how much you have to pay. So the majority of the people that have bought horses at, at the stable.ca are, are people that bought 1%, 2%. We really haven't advertised this site out as strenuously to people, to people that would buy larger percentages yet because we really haven't had time. You know, we've been advertising a lot and fielding phone calls and selling shares to people, and it's fantastic to know that 11 people own, own less than 50% of Majestic Way. You know, that's a great feeling. I know that of those 11 people, nine of those people have never owned a horse before. My wife and I didn't exactly set this site up like this, but it didn't it didn't take very long to figure out exactly what it was going to turn into. And it's turned into a fantastic venture so far for us and for the people involved, because these people are coming out that know nothing about horse racing. And, and you know, by the time that the horse races, they'll have a great experience. And if they end up having a return and have some disposable income next year, that 1% or 2% will more than likely turn into 5 10 or 100%. You can move throughout this site fluidly, liquidly, and, and buy or sell as you, as you please. And that's really what people are looking for. It doesn't matter whether it's a cell phone company or a cable company or a computer company. People just want to pay what they what they use and be able to see their money at work and not be not be tackled by hidden costs. And there is none with the stable, and that that's what makes it so great for everybody. One of the things that I potentially like about the stable.ca is the transparency. Now, whether you own 1% of a horse, 5% of a horse, 10% of a horse, you can call the blacksmith, you can call the veterinarian about your horse. We went through something the other day, and this will probably come up in one of your other questions, is so everything is covered that are daily costs in the burn. Now, if we have some medical, uh, I wouldn't call them emergencies, but medical situations arise that wouldn't normally happen to the everyday horse. So we bought a, a beautiful little filly from Ohio about a month ago. A gentleman, two gentlemen from Florida bought half. Another gentleman from London bought the other half. Just out of precaution, I, I, I took the, I asked them, I said, would you like to have the filly fluoroscope? Just to make sure we, we uncover all the stones in this filly. Just to make sure that we're starting from a good point with this filly. And they agreed. They said, yes, we'd like to do that. So I think the cost was $400 at the vet clinic. We took her over. We got her fluoroscope, like we did a lot of horses in the barn. And we found she had an OCD chip in a knee and an ankle and a cyst and a stifle, which 
sounds pretty severe, and it can be depending on the case. So we spoke to the we spoke to the veterinarian, we spoke to the surgeon, and we made a decision as as a team, if you will. Uh, the, the four of us, we made a decision that we were going to go ahead with the surgery. It ended up costing all in, I think, around between $2,500 and $3,000, um, which sounds like a lot. But at the end of the day, we now know that when this filly starts back, she'll start back at 100%. The best colt that I had last year, he went as a two-year-old in 57, a trotter, and I think he made sixty or $70,000. He was a really, really nice colt, and he had OCDs taken out before the sale at, at his, as a yearling. So it's it's all about management. If the gentleman had to come back and say, geez, Anthony, you know, could we wait a couple of months till we get some money? I'm sure we could have worked something out, but it's all about uh, working together to make sure that you, you get the best experience you can. And in this case, it, it worked out wonderfully for everybody involved. I think the Phillies' prognosis went from mediocre without a surgery to fantastic with the surgery, and I think they're going to uh, hopefully have a very, very nice Philly in 2016. Visiting with Anthony McDonald, uh, www.thestable.ca. Uh, now, Anthony, uh, here's the question that's uh, going to be on everybody's mind, especially people that haven't owned a horse yet and are doing so for the first time. When do we get paid, man? <laughs> so, uh, the, what thestable.ca offers is, is the ability to break and train down the horses in a professional manner. And for consigners, we, we also... We try and sell horses for, for the consigners at a fair market value. The stable.ca was never set up to race horses. Now, that might sound stupid to you, but what I mean by that is we didn't want to paint ourselves into a corner where people felt that if they sent us horses to break and train down or to sell, that that would necessarily mean that my wife and I would train them. My wife and I have trained horses. I've trained horses for almost two decades. My wife has trained horses alongside me for five or six years now. So we've had a very good luck training, breaking and training down babies and getting them to the races. But in no way, shape, or form do we demand that people leave their horses with us. If the, if the, if the group that owns a horse wants to go in a different direction in June and give their horses to a different trainer, then they're absolutely welcome as long as everybody in the group agrees that that's in the best interest of the group. And if they don't do that, I'm more than happy to train the horses down and, and, and uh, race them for them with my wife all summer. And to race the horses, obviously, it costs a little bit more money. Uh, the money I make over the top will not change. It's a very small amount. The only money that will be added will be money as paddock fees, shipping, stake payments, things of that nature that are simple costs attributed to the horse. I worked it out for a lady last week. I think it's about... 67 cents to break and train down a yearling and about a dollar 10 to race them per month roughly speaking all summer so it's not it's not a, a large amount of money a dollar 10 per day it's not a large amount of money and and uh, we try to keep the cost down and we, it, again this is all about getting the people in and getting them a great experience in horse racing. I mean, you know this is a great game, and I know this is a great game. Unfortunately, only a small percentage of us get to, get to realize that. And we're trying to change that. We're trying to bring as many people in as we can, make sure that they can budget, make sure that they have fun, and make sure that they want to own more horses in the future. And really, that's what this is all about. Longtime horseman Anthony McDonald, visit him at thestable.ca. Follow him on Twitter, at Stable Canada. Like him on Facebook, at the stable. Let more post time and Mike and Mike. Just a moment. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand in hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. 
Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. Free. That's right, one week free. Free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And, uh, we are in overtime here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, I know some of you are probably looking at your clocks going, man, it's 8.12. I think it, you know the show should have been done at 8 o'clock. We've been given permission by Blog Talk Radio to go over. And uh, we're getting ready to wrap up the show. And I'll tell you what, Mike, it's been a lot of fun. But next week, Ken Warkenden will join us and we'll go over the nominations for the first annual Post Time with Mike and Mike Award Show. It's going to be a lot of fun. And it's a fan voted thing. How much more? Uh, how much more fun could that be? Hold on, I'm playing with the dials. Oh boy, Mike. Uh, Mike Bozich <laughs> is trying to learn. The I actually pressed here. the button. I pressed the button. I got it to work. And uh, well, I don't think I'm ready to take uh, charge of the show just yet, Mike. So uh, don't go anywhere. I, I don't plan on it. Uh, the only place that I'm, uh, you know, the only place. I hope that I'm not leaving anywhere anytime soon. Let me put it to you that way. All right. So we got the big show coming up uh, next week. Well, we got a a couple of big shows coming up, uh, like you said, Mike. But we do have some programming notes that I know we talked about for a couple of times, but we do want to drill it in people's hands that next Wednesday we'll be on. Not Thursday, next Wednesday, because Christmas Eve is next Thursday. So we certainly want you to uh, enjoy the holidays with uh, your family. But uh, next Wednesday we'll be on at 7. Like you said, Ken Warkenton. I can't wait for Kenny to be on the show next week. That should be a lot of fun. And we're going to do our nominations, Mike. The nominations are coming in fast and furious. And this is completely a fan's poll. So we want you to get your nominations in. Mike, tell them where to email us. You can email it to us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. It's ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. You can send it to us on Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, I'll tell you what, it, it, this show is going to be a lot of fun next Wednesday and the Wednesday after that. Or excuse me, not That's the right. Wednesday after that. What am I thinking? The Thursday after that. You know, it'll that. be Thursday. It'll be th- We've got a lot of programming stuff going on, a lot of different uh, a lot of different things going on. Thursday, December 31st. We will be on the air New Year's Eve night, Mike. Can you believe that? 6 to 8 o'clock. Uh, it'll be our award show. We'll, of course, talk about some of the Dan Patch. As a matter of fact, we want to have some interviews. We're going to try to get some of the guys that won Dan Patch Awards. We're going to try to get some of those guys on the partic- uh, on the program. We uh, also are going to do our award show for those six categories. Mike, should I go through the categories again, or do you think I did it enough? Yeah, let's go through them one more time. All right, here we go. Race Call of the Year. Race Call of the Year. Iron Horse Award. Mike, can you talk about 
the specifics of Iron Horse? Because I did have a question about what the specifics are of Iron Horse. Can you talk about it for just a second? Yeah, well, we're, what we're trying to do is we're trying to celebrate some of the war horses out there. So we're trying to get horses that have had at least 200 career starts and have, you know, and have raced in 2015. So uh, 200 career starts, a race in 2015, and uh, I'll tell you what, it, it, that that category is going to be a lot of fun. Okay, I did have some guy ask if uh, 25 qualifiers was enough, but uh, I didn't answer. Um, <laughs> fan of the year? <laughs> fan of the year? That's got to be unique. And what we're trying to do, Mike, is we're trying to go away from the traditional awards, uh, obviously. Correct. So. Fan of uh, so fan of the year. I can't wait for that one. We've got a couple of nominations already on the table there, and uh, we certainly want you to uh, nominate. Once again, email ptmike and mike at yahoo.com. Small stable of the year. We've got some nominations for that, of course. Upset of the year. That could be the biggest runaway, but I'm not going to tip it. But that could be the biggest runaway. And horsewoman of the year. I, shh. I know. Horsewoman of the Year. So we've got six categories. We certainly want you to uh, jump in. It doesn't matter if you're a horseman or a fan or whatever the case may be. We want you to join in and email us, ptmikeandmike@yahoo.com. The nominations close on Saturday at 11.59 Eastern. So that means well, real- at 12 a.m. we may consider it. That's right. Well, listen, I, I'll tell you, we got a we for those of you who are listening to the show now, we had uh James Clouser on earlier. James Clouser has been nominated for our small stable of the year. So, I'll tell you, he uh he might he's got a shot at uh at winning this. That'd be a lot of fun to see, you know, some of our guests. And that's what we are here at Post Time with Mike and Mike. For those of you just listening for the first time, uh, you know, every horse has a story and we plan on telling it from you know, the grooms that work in the barns to the trainers to, as I've said it before, Mike, the presidents and CEOs. So, uh, Mike, unless you got anything else, I think that uh, wraps up Post Time with Mike and Mike tonight, bud. Yeah, I I do want to say one more thing, Mike, and being that Blog Talk Radio has been so gracious to give us this extra, what are we on, about 17 minutes of overtime, uh, they've been gracious to give us this time, we had to beg, borrow, and steal to get this time, so we certainly <laughs> appreciate Blog Talk Radio uh, giving us this extra time, but uh, listen, we certainly appreciate the listenership that this uh, show has garnered, I mean, I'm telling you, this is beyond our wildest expectations, we had realistic expectations going in, we knew this was going to be an uphill battle but we are so pleased and we want to thank each and every one of our listeners so very much especially the ones that have shared us on social media and if you haven't we encourage you to do so like us on our facebook page uh post time with mike and mike follow us on twitter pt mike and mike one and not only that but we ask you to share us because uh as uh, somebody said you know social media is like word of mouth on steroids, and that is the absolute truth. And listen, we certainly appreciate each and every one of you that listen. Our listenership numbers are through the freaking roof, and we thank everybody for joining us and listening to us, and we would appreciate it if you shared us as well. Well, uh, yeah, we want to thank Harness Link, uh, Harness Racing America, um, Standard Bread Canada, and the USTA, obviously, for sharing us this week. And uh, we're certainly appreciative of that. Well, that concludes Post Time with Mike and Mike this week. For Mike Carter, excuse me, I guess for Mike Carter. I'm talking about myself here. For Mike Fozich, I'm Mike Carter. We'll see you next Wednesday with the first post of 7 o'clock. <laughs>